0: Please listen carefully.
1: Welcome to Autism in the Wild, the show that talks about what it's really like living with autism. Here are your hosts, Neil and Chris.
0: All right, welcome to another episode of Autism in the Wild. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Noah. Now, I want you to introduce our, our guest today.
2: Okay, so these guests today are a very interesting few, to say the least. They were kind of thrown into our lives, just kind of on a whim, and they've been friends of ours for a long time, and they know a lot about what they do. This is Andy and Anushka. Hi.
3: Uh, hey. hey.
0: <laughs> welcome to the podcast so um Thank you for having us. yeah yeah and any and Nushka live out they don't live near us they live out on the east coast way out east as we like to say <laughs> <laughs> back east yeah. yeah i'll let you guys kind of describe how we how we met what was the what was the premise of how we met great
3: well, so Andy and I were writing a play about autism spectrum and we, uh, the theatre company that we were working with at the time, Techno Theatre Project, had just come through um, Northern Iowa and presented the Laramie Project, uh, part one and part two at the Gallagher Blue Dawn. And Gallagher, at the time, was looking to get into production um, well producing plays and um, they said to Tectonic if you have anything on tap that you're interested in producing we would love to talk to you about it and Tectonic said well actually we do we're working on this play about autism spectrum disorders and um, and they said that sounds great and so they brought us out and we said well we want to talk to people in the community and <laughs> we interviewed your you and, Noah's parents, Tyann and Chris, about their experience raising two boys, uh, well, three boys, and but also about their experience raising kids on the spectrum. And uh, we ended up including, well, chopping, changing and murdering a little bit <laughs> some of their stories but putting them into the play. <laughs> um, specifically a story about uh, Tyann and Chris going to church one evening and bringing you and your brother Isaac you and Isaac to the church and uh, Isaac had a hard time not because Isaac I think Isaac had a hard time because the the people in the um, nursery were not dealing were not understanding Isaac and his ways of communicating properly and so it was a terrible experience but in the middle of if I'm not wrong wasn't it in the middle of silent night you heard that or did I make that up it was in the middle of a beautiful moment in the in the. Oh, oh I,
1: they were yeah. in the
0: they were in the nursery, so no, I I think we we kind of joked around that probably during Silent Night was when we probably heard him screaming from the nursery. Yes,
3: that's right, <laughs> and disrupting the entire service, and that you guys had to skulk down the, the aisle to get go and get your children and. And that you ended up, this one moment that was the most touching for me was this image of the four of you going to McDonald's, just that you were alone on on Christmas Eve and that you'd been sort of rejected by the church, which you'd think would be the one place where you could have easily been yourselves and been accepted. And then, But you kind of made lemons out of, I mean, you made lemonade out of lemons, which was, you went and got the kids a treat. But it was just, I don't know, I was still very, I'm always struck. at uh, this image of this sweet small little family going to McDonald's on Christmas Eve, <laughs> so it's kind of well, very moving to me.
1: I, it was also moving that you all shared your stories with us, and you know, it was something that we were interested in in finding people who had s- similar but but different <laughs> experiences than than our own. You know, as we were doing research on this, you know, we had experience with autism, but we were we recognized that everybody who has experience with the spectrum has a totally different experience. And so we were really looking to find um, other people and just to check in with, with how people were doing and what their challenges were and what their successes had been. And um, and so you all were, were amazingly generous and so was the entire uh, community of Cedar Falls. I mean, just, just really, really welcoming and open and that was really helpful for us while we were developing the play
0: yeah I, I distinctly remember uh, I think it was suzanne and and you guys, and we all we were in our office my my work office, yeah. and we were recording and talking about it and it was yeah, I just remember it was just great to be able to share some of those experiences as a parent to someone who really wanted to listen and really you know you guys were really wanted our. Our stories unfiltered, and wanted to hear what it was really like. So, yeah, we really appreciated that. Yeah, so thanks for for doing that because getting all these different perspectives from people is so important. Because, like you said, um, the more people we talk to on the podcast, the more we realize there are some similarities, but there's everybody is different. So everyone has a different story to tell.
3: I also think that you know Isaac there were so many moments when I remember workshopping things, the doors at the High vee Isaac being mesmerized by the doors. And we tried to get that into the play so many times, but we didn't get it in. But your family's specific relationship to the High V, of course, made the hy V a a presence in the play. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, we could not, there was no way we could do that play without having the Hy-Vee. <laughs>
0: That's so. That's so fun. I and mean, we still go i mean we. Yeah. Know it's, it's there. <laughs> you know, what's funny is uh you know we go so often that you know we tend to go through the same lines of the same cashiers and over time there's this this woman dorothy that she works she works there part-time but she's actually become a friend of ours she mm. came to noah's jazz show last week because oh, that's, that's how that's how often we go and we get to talk to people there yeah. so well,
3: I, I was also thinking about. Um, we tried to get, the other thing that we tried to get into the play was um, the fact that you guys always are able to spot the grammatic, uh, grammatical errors in the signs and the spelling. That
2: That's mom and Henry. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's such a, I mean, it's such a, a fun way to interact with such a pedestrian place. I mean, it's really...
2: I mean, my mom's the type of person who, whenever she like go by a house with like a rock that says like the Smiths or something like that, she'd be like, yeah, this apostrophe should not be there. It should be here and not exist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she goes in like a five minute rant about it. It's hilarious every time. But Every time.
0: Yeah. So just to kind of, uh, we'll back up just a little bit. So yeah. the, the play that you guys wrote, and correct me if I'm wrong, I th- you guys co-wrote the play, and did you were you the directors as well yeah and in the, the play was called uncommon sense that's
1: yes right. that's right and um, we um, we first uh presented it at gallagher blue Dorn in uh, in january of uh, of 2017 and um, and then it subsequently had a new york run uh, in november of uh, that same year
0: yeah we we saw it. we saw it both shows and at the Gallagher and, and loved it. And Isaac and I came to the the rehearsal on Friday night.
3: That's right.
0: And we sat in the back and I didn't know how he would do. And I have to say, when I saw the the, the French fry scene, um, I just broke down. It was so weird. <laughs> well,
3: I think I was in tears too, especially at the talk back afterwards. It was a bit, it was very overwhelming too. First of all, I was terrified. I kept thinking, "I hope we haven't made, haven't offended or butchered this."
1: Well, you, you know, we talked to a lot of people all over the country, but I think having spent so much time in Cedar Falls, I think there's just a lot of stories that that we that we heard in Cedar Falls that are woven into that play, and so presenting it there was was um, I think in the end gratifying, but at the time. Uh, really scary <laughs> <Yeah>. mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of reflecting back to people their own experience and when you do that you know if you get something wrong or you you know don't represent someone well or the way that they expect you know they, they'd be upset so, so um, we were just hoping that people would receive it as we meant it which was an offer of you know the whole community to, to gather around everybody's stories and, and to, to share with each other and to know in the community you know, who, was, who was dealing with what and, and how they were going about their lives in a, in a way that sometimes becomes very isolating and private. So. Yeah. Uh, it was a wonderful experience, I thought, those performances um, and everyone who came seemed to get something out of it and, um, and share a lot with each other. So it was a
3: good. really so, incredible audience, both days. Yeah. It's wonderful. Almost
1: 2,000 people saw it in, in two, two performances. Yeah. So, nice.
3: And yeah. it was such an, um, an inclusive audience too, which was fantastic. I mean, yeah. you didn't present the show in a way that, I mean, you know, there are shows that you have for, that, where they take the lights down to, I mean, they, they bring the lights up sort of 75% more and the, 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 they tone the, the sound down so that it's not so harsh so that people on the spectrum can enjoy, well, inclusive performances. Um, but this yep. was... The show was presented as is and people were allowed to respond to it as they needed to which I also thought was a really interesting of inclusion which was just you know if you need to leave you leave if you need to make a noise you make a noise and if you need to and and also I love the fact that they presented the show on the monitors outside so that if people didn't need mm-hmm. to leave they weren't excluded from the show which was great so yeah that was a very I mean it was a very special couple of days for us and it was hard to then take it to new york where, where it was a harsh new york audience and, and they were great too they were fantastic but it was just different it was very it didn't have this huge community feeling
0: yeah
3: anyway
2: what part of this whole project kind of just resonated with you the
1: most i, re- I mean i i really think it, it t- And i don't mean to repeat myself but um but I really think that the thing that resonated with me the most was this, the stories that people shared with us It was very powerful to talk with people about their experience. And, you know, it's interesting when you, you know, you go about your lives and you have friends, you have acquaintances and people at the the grocery store and and you get to know people and they are your friends. And it's a different thing to sit someone down and say, what's, you know, the most important thing to you? What do you, what do you really love? What is, what is, what do you desire? What, And what are the things that really are troubles in your life and just let them and just have that conversation around something that's really important to them. It's a very special kind of experience that that doesn't happen very much in in sort of normal life. So it's one of the, the things that in doing this project, we just got to talk to so many incredible people about, you know, things that are really important to them. And that was a really special experience.
3: Also, to go back to your point, Chris, when you were talking about us being in the office, i mean I think sometimes when you're in the thick i mean of raising children on the spectrum and it can be lonely and isolating and um, I think when people and sometimes you can be so worried about if your children are going to be okay, and I know that that's normal for parents. Across the board, whether they have kids on the spectrum or not, but I think when you have a kid on the spectrum, sometimes they seem so vulnerable, and you feel like you need to protect them just that little bit more. I think there's a kind of a trauma that comes from it, and I think that just providing when when people are traumatized, they sometimes don't feel like there's a place to 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 vent and to be heard, and so for us to be able to to hear. The intimate details of people's lives, and to be invited in like that, and to bear witness was it was such an intimate act in so many ways that I think that I mean I'll I mean I'll treasure it forever. It was really special. Yeah,
0: I was Mm -hmm. thinking about the the different characters in the in the play, (laughs) and what I really appreciated was that the characters represented really a spectrum of characters that of. people with different abilities, different challenges, and, and then like the, the people who support them too. So what I appreciated about uh, the characters was getting to see like a, a nonverbal character, uh, someone who's, you know, in college and, and struggling with different things and then parents trying to make decisions and, you know, older adults trying to fit in. And, and so I just really appreciated seeing um, that. And I know some of my coworkers went to the play and Got really good feedback from them, and it, like one of them said, it really was um, educational. I think it was the word she used because you you don't really know you only know about autism from either the people you know or what you see on TV, mm. and that's not always the best representation of of what this is. So, and and maybe you can talk about the characters, and maybe talk about some of the people who play those characters too.
3: Yeah. Um. So there was um, there's Moose who is nonverbal. Um, he's about uh, sort of he could be played easily between the age range I think of nineteen and say twenty three ish, kind of in there. He very much depends on his mum for uh, safety and emotional comfort and daily care. And he was played by a young man named Andrew Duff, who is on the spectrum. Um, Duff was nonverbal until he was five. And then he started to gain language. And he'd been in programs in, I think, Head Start, not Head Start, um, sorry, early intervention when he was a baby and continued right up until he was, I think, in programs until he was 15. Um, So Duff... Then went on to, he has an interesting story, he went on to, um, he might be someone you might even want to interview at some point, he, he went on to graduate university from Bennington with a degree in film, and um, he'd written a one-man show, well, he went on to graduate from Bennington with a degree in film, and he made this one-man show about his experience being on the spectrum, which was, he, he, he entitled it, Where Are We Now?, and uh, the reason it has that title is the first sentence he ever uttered. It's a five-year-old. They were driving in the family minivan <laughs> and uh, he has two brothers as well. And he suddenly out of the blue said, where are we now? <laughs> and it seemed like such a, a, yeah. a sort of a, a catchall for everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he put, They in, were
1: very surprised. <laughs> they were
3: incredibly surprised. And, uh, and so he put the link on Wrong Planet, and we were very, uh, we were really determined that we did not want to do this show without people on the spectrum being involved. Mm-hmm. And and that could mean, I mean, we really, obviously, the hope was to have as many autistic actors and designers as possible. And so, but actually, tra- tracking people down on the spectrum who identify as being on the spectrum, it, it was more challenging than than we could could have anticipated it was it was not easy i mean i don't know whether people maybe don't act or maybe they don't want to identify and it was it was not simple but anyway we found duff and we at the time the laramie project was running at the brooklyn academy of music and i we invited him to come and see a performance and then we said to him you know we'd love to have you come out to iowa with us And he did. He came out and um, he participated in the workshops and he was such a great sport and he did beautifully. I think arguably he maybe stole the show in many ways. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, He was so beautiful to watch on stage um, and he did Moose such justice and he took such care and he prepared so diligently and he had such a fantastic work ethic. I mean, we had our some of our neurotypical actors would be in the middle of rehearsal on stage with their cell phones and we'd just be going crazy. <laughs> it was Not that at all. He was so dedicated and diligent about doing research and, and not just sort of winging it and saying, Oh, well, this is, you know, I'm autistic. So I must know who Moose is. No, he really wanted to find out what Moose's stims were and what Moose, if he was sensory seeking or sensory repelling and, And of course, some of Duff we stole too. I mean, the whole thing with the ice, that was very much Duff when he was a babe. I mean, I saw this beautiful photograph of him when he was about 17 years old, sitting on the middle of a frozen pond. And Duff has uh, no sensitivity to cold whatsoever. He just, he (laughs) used to, it drives me crazy. He would go out in Iowa for a drink with some of the college students and he would go out without a coat. And I'd just be, as a mom, I'd just be beside myself, Duff put something on, you're going to freeze to death. This is not okay. And just look at me and laugh. He really did such incredible work on the show. Um,
1: I think, you know, can, can, yeah, yeah, can I just jump in that Chris, that you're, you're like, you know, what you were saying about the, the different, the, the sort of spectrum of characters that we had on the autism spectrum. And I, I think it was something that we decided very early on in the process that was just necessary for a play like this, that if you're going to investigate what it's like to be um, on the autism spectrum and living on the autism spectrum, that you, you can't just have one character on the spectrum, that it's just, it, it just would doesn't do justice to the question that you're asking. And so, and one of the reasons why we thought that theater was the right medium for this was because like, you know, there are a lot of TV shows out there now that have people on the spectrum, but usually really only follows one person on the Mm -hmm. spectrum. And then everyone else is not on the spectrum and there's a conflict that arises around that. And, And this play, and I think the theater allows for a different kind of language around the experience of being on the spectrum and so all these characters can kind of exist in the space together and you really get a sense of what this what being on a spectrum means um, which I think is sort of a foreign idea I think to a lot of people and they don't even understand what it means to to have a spectrum and and what what that is and so um, it was definitely something that was important to us and so we had you know, characters that were non like Moose. We also had characters who were highly verbal, like like Dan, who's based on someone who's also living in Cedar Falls, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, um, can write, you know, a thousand-page novel in a month, who can, you know, um, has, you know, uh, you know, three languages, who, you know, um, decides...
3: Decides he wants
1: to be a scientist, and then he wants to be a writer, and then he wants to be an actuarian. You know, it, it's... Um, Someone who, but, but also someone who has a lot, a lot of difficulty connecting with people um, on kind of a, um, a more instinctual friendship level, who also has challenges with, you know, environment and with sensory issues. And, and then we have other people who are sort of all in between, who have some language, not others, who, you know, some people who, who just really don't have the ability to speak language, but can write language. And so, you know, finding the ability to, to express oneself through words, but maybe not spoken, but recorded or through a typing is another way of communication. And so all of these things can exist in the world of autism. The theater I think is just a really good medium for that. It's so difficult to do in film and TV.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I remember about watching the show and even the workshops was the sensory stuff that you guys did with the lights and the sounds that all integrated in with the, the characters. And that was really, I really enjoyed that.
1: I I think it's, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, lighting effects affect one person and not another person. And, you know, also we used video to kind of indicate a little bit what might be happening inside someone while, you know, on the outside, you're seeing something that's quite different and I think that all those things sort of blending together in a space where you're watching with a group of your community. I think that's, that's a very special theatrical experience.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Um, what
2: are the future plans for this show? If there are any, um, that's
3: a good question to get it done.
1: <laughs> to, to see where else we can get it up. Yeah. Um, we, uh, there are no set plans right now. We're um, we're looking to do it again, but we're not sure where that would be. As soon as we find some backing and some you know, some time, you know, yeah. we're uh, we'll do it again.
0: Cool. What was something that you learned as part of this process that completely surprised you, or was maybe different than what you kind of your. Um, expectations were or assumptions were good question
3: wow that stumped me (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: do you think it was the process was more difficult than other plays because of the of the topics and the and the people involved or is it about the same or
1: i think it's much more complicated and intricate than anything I'd ever worked on before.
3: I think we would have, I think one of the things that was the most surprising was um, how restricted we felt. I mean, we were so restricted by money. We, I mean, Mm -hmm. would have loved to have had a cast of 10, 12, 13 autistic people on the stage. That would have been our ideal um, and told as many different stories as possible. We were, I mean, and, and it shouldn't have been surprising because, of course, every theatrical experience has a budgetary limitation when you're trying to produce something. But I think what we imagined and what the reality of execution were was it, it felt like slamming into a brick wall. <laughs> um, and that was definitely a surprise for me. I don't know why. I, I must have engaged a, a tremendous amount of magical thinking believing that we could carry off a cast of thousands and that there would be an unlimited budget <laughs> for doing such a thing. But, um,
1: I think one thing that surprised me was that, you know, when we were doing workshops and talking to people and we were showing people some work, we found, we found a, 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 like a really um, diverse set of opinions of people who are on the spectrum about what they were seeing. And so, you know, one person would think that something was that we were presenting like part of the play was a cliche and another person would think it was dead on real. One person would think that one part of the play was completely unnecessarily, unnecessary and not their experience. And then another person would say, oh my God, that's totally my experience. And, and that just the array of, of experiences and people wanting to be reflected and, and the different ways that they felt like that reflection was correct. What well, I think that was surprising to me. Um, you know, we definitely wanted to bring all a lot of different experiences, but then I guess we thought, Oh, well then the community will see itself. But of course there isn't one community, mm-hmm. you know, there it's, it's a lot of individuals dealing with different things. <laughs> um, and so I think that was a big surprise to me. And again, maybe it shouldn't have been, but, but it was.
0: No. What do, What do you remember about the play? Let's see.
2: I think here it's it's been a few years. A couple of years. It's been, like yeah. a two, it's been two years actually. It's like yeah. January mm-hmm. is when it came out in twenty seventeen. I remember there were doors everywhere. About yeah. like stage. Yeah. I remember, there was a door on stage left that was just like twenty feet in the air that was just led nowhere. <laughs> Well, that's what i remember there was there was a lot of in my mind there was a lot of stories that from it was a different people which makes sense that didn't feel connected at all but at the same time that made sense to me hmm. and why it was like that because everyone's story is different and doesn't have to be connected
0: to each other hmm. did you connect with one of the characters more than others i
2: think so i don't remember specifically. was it was it dan
0: the grocery guy,
2: yeah, Dan. Mm-hmm. I kind of resonated with him a little more about his social experiences and how his life kind of worked. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. my two
0: cents about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I I thought a little bit about that about that with you, and then mm-hmm. Moose. We actually know the real Moose, so mm-hmm. he and Isaac are classmates so moose his character there some of the times reminded me a little bit of isaac
2: i just remember he sat in front of us at the show
0: yeah he did yeah yeah Yeah. so that was close and Mm -hmm. then um like i was telling you guys before we started recording um isaac and i came in you guys invited us to come to the rehearsal um the night before opening night and Mm -hmm. we sat in the way back just because I didn't know how Isaac would do. And then we ended up going closer. And But the first time I saw the French fry scene, which you know is, is the story of, of our family, it was so weird. I'm sure. To <laughs> <laughs> see that, but I was just so overwhelmed with emotion mm-hmm. that night. Mm-hmm. But in, in an opening night, I remember sitting around, and I could hear people <clears throat> crying because I just know they could – they were relating to those stories.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: It was a very emotional audience in Iowa. It was great. It was great.
0: (laughs) Did you not get that response in New York?
3: No, we did. We had people sobbing. Um, We had people sobbing, but because it's New York, there wasn't, uh, it was so... um,
1: It it seemed like in Iowa, you know, the, the, the community came out to talk about itself and to talk to each other. And in New York, it's just always a little different. People go to the theater for a lot of different reasons. And so there's always sort of the, the faction that's sort of coming out to sort of check and see what you know, slick th- new theater you know, method is happening. And, like, and for those people, like, this wasn't really a show for them necessarily. It was really a show for people who wanted to engage with the ideas of, of autism. Yeah. Um, and so for those people who were there for that, it was extremely moving and we had a lot of moving experiences with people, you know, who were coming up to us afterwards saying, you know, I, I finally saw myself on stage or I finally saw my experience on stage. And those were people who were on the spectrum and also supported, you know, people who were supporting people on the spectrum, both. And I think that, that that's really what we did the play for. And, and also for people to come up and say, yeah, that was, that was a huge education for me. Just like your, you know, colleague at work, just, you know, people saying like, I now I know what's going on in this community.
3: I, also, I think we also had the goal of trying to present the spectrum in a way that was to bring out the sort of the visual beauty and the oral beauty of, of, of parts of the spectrum, and not just make it seem like this really dark, heavy. And we tried to make a play that was beautiful. It had
1: a lot of humor in it,
3: and humorous, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and because I think these things all go with the spectrum. Um, and I think I don't, I don't, I can't describe the difference between the New York audience and the Cedar Falls audience. It was just that we didn't have enough time to process with the New York audience. I would think. I mean, it was really they came. They left.
1: I think it's also different, you know, in a run in New York where, you know, you're doing eight shows a week. And so it doesn't have that kind of like, that, that, that feeling of the event of it just just for two nights and having the whole town come at once is different than streaming people in in, in smaller doses over, you know, five week, five week period. And so the the experience for us becomes a little spread out and we're not there every night and we don't really know what's going on. And, you know, it becomes just a different experience.
0: Sure. Sure. But I I would say one thing I've I've been learning over the years is the fact that your play is not for everyone is actually a good thing because you, you want your play to be for who you're, you want it to be for. Like you're, you're narrowed it in on, you know, people who, live on the spectrum people who live with people on the spectrum and people who want to learn and if people want to come just for the theater experience that's great and if they took something away that's okay Mm -hmm. like we're doing this podcast not to we know that not everyone will want to listen to this and that's that's totally fine i don't want everyone to hear this podcast i want the people who want to learn about autism and what's really like living with autism was Mm -hmm. to hear this podcast so i think it's okay that some people just kind of came and, and, and went from your
3: yeah, mind. Absolutely.
0: It's there for everyone and everyone can take from it what they, what they would like. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing about art, right? You can, you can, you can make something and, and people will take away different things from it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you kind of said this a little bit, but maybe can you just kind of, when you, when you first started the process, what were some of the goals you wanted you wanted to, you get out of the process in terms for the audience. And do you think that changed over time?
1: I, I felt it was really important to, to create something, a group of stories where the people who are on the spectrum could see themselves reflected in, 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 on stage. And also people who were not on the spectrum could learn a little bit about what was going on with people who may not be able to communicate the way that they're expected to communicate. And so those two experiences were important to me starting out, and I think continued to be, that was sort of my goal. Yeah,
3: I think to reflect for the community to offer, to provide exactly what I talked about before, it's going in to talk to people who have the experience of living on the spectrum or who have the experience of living with people who are on the spectrum, to reflect that experience back to an audience I kept thinking of us as sort of translators in a way. Um,
0: yeah.
3: And that really, it wasn't our job to sort of change what was being said, just to to interpret it theatrically. That was really what we had to do. Um, and uh, I, I do think that it was successful in that regard. I do think that people on the spectrum did see themselves and that people who were living with people who were on the spectrum also saw themselves too. Um, whether it was a decent piece of theatre, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I hope so. Um, <laughs> Um, Yeah, that was really. I mean, and and the goal was to make it. As I said before, I did want to make something beautiful. I really did, Um, and I hope we achieved that. I think we did. Funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think with as a parent of two kids on the spectrum, uh, life is very messy, and sometimes it's beautiful, sometimes it's funny, and sometimes it sucks.
1: That that that, that 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 yeah. That sums up what we hoped your experience of the play would
3: be. I love I be, that it does, Noah.
0: There's a, maybe I should rephrase that. Sometimes it's challenging. Yeah. That's a very PC way of putting it. But, but you know what?
3: I'll I'll I can re- I can recontextualize that for you, Noah. And I said every parent about parenting any kid at any given time <laughs> or moment. Yep. <laughs> Every kid sort is of challenging. Sense.
0: But you know, I think what it, one of the things I'm learning as part of this podcast and your play is sometimes telling stories are the best way to tell people about autism because yeah. everyone is. Yeah. It's not like this is the thing and this is what it is. Uh, I think hearing stories about elevators and doors and colors and sounds and experiences uh, are the best way to to share these stories.
1: Well, it's it's interesting because i think a lot of the conversations around autism take place in clinicians offices or doctors offices and and it, i think it it just doesn't encapsulate the experience like someone can try to explain it to you from a dna perspective or you know and those are all important but i think that's what was different about having this experience as you know as a as As someone who, you know, has supported people who are on the spectrum, you you don't often like your like our experience sitting in your office, you know, talking about sort of trading experiences of our our families being on the spectrum. I think the reason why that feels like such a release is because I feel like I'm always trying to explain it to somebody, you know, who's a clinician or a doctor or or, try to always qualifying people on the spectrum as being this or that. And, and I think you're right. I think really the experience lies in, in the anecdotes, you know, in the, in the stories that, um, that just have a lot more uh, nuance to them.
0: Yeah. I think you gave a lot of people, the characters were able to give the audience a lot, maybe more empathy towards what the challenges and the beauty of this type of life can be so yeah i that's what i really appreciate about the play it was just it was very real but like you said it had the humor and and the beauty in it too it was just i think it was just a good summary thank of what you. what life with autism is thank you yeah noah what thoughts do you
1: have
2: i think it was a very good show it was one of the best productions I've ever seen. And it opened up, I think I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes about how autism works, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So it's a yes and no sort of thing because everyone's different. And some things that apply to a certain person don't always apply to someone with autism as another person. But I feel like it really... Try to help people understand that this is how autism is and this is how we are
0: as people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could share with Andy Anushka the play that you were in this fall.
2: Yeah. So this fall we did, a, I decided to do theater for the first time in a few years and the fall production we did was a show called the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. <laughs> you guys know about that show. I can just, I can tell. <laughs> and, my and it's about this and for those who don't know it's a, it's a show about this kid in the UK his name is Christopher and he again the show starts and they and he finds his neighbor's dog dead and of course neighbor finds him with the dead dog thinks he's the one who killed the dog and he starts going like on this goose chase to figure out who actually killed the dog yeah. and He's on the spectrum as well, so our director spent a spent a good amount of time, a lot of time, with choreography and blocking stuff on how to show like how his senses are with sound and movement and lights and stuff like that, and Sam, he's a really close friend of mine, I don't know if you'll listen to this or not, probably not, but he was Christopher in the show, and he really went, I feel like, to the next level in terms of figuring it out i'm not entirely sure i didn't really know how he prepared for it but he was spot on with under with how my director wanted him to act and stuff like that but in that show the one thing that kind of drew that kind of would have been like a turnoff point for me as, an, as a listener or as an audience member was that it was a very stereotypical version of how Aspergers or autism is per, is portrayed like with the meltdowns and stuff like that. There's a few too many in that show,
1: yeah. in my
2: opinion. But also looking at it, if you know the story, there's it's a lot for Christopher to go through because yeah. he ends up traveling by himself to London to find his mom, who's supposed to be dead and
3: yeah, just and she abandoned him, which is awful.
2: Yeah, yeah, and. It's a lot of emotional pain. Mm -hmm. For that,
3: I think. I mean, I love that show. I really do, and I. I I love the book before they even turned it into a show. The one thing I've always said that was different. I think autism is the obstacle that gets in the way. I mean, essentially, I feel that Curious Incident is a mystery. It's a mystery play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Story, and you don't because I mean it's a who it's a true whodunit, right? Who Mm -hmm. did it? Yeah. And autism is the sort of obstacle that gets in the way of figuring that out in many ways. But it also, the it provides a space for people to explore a little bit about what it's like for these families, which mm-hmm. the narrator? I mean, the, not the narrator, sorry, the author whose name is escaping me. And I think he spent some time working in a... Um, facility for people with developmental disabilities and various other disabilities. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think he also said at some point that he didn't really feel that he didn't want to be so specific about Christopher being on the spectrum because he wanted it to be more of a catchall for uh, people to understand what, what uh, disability is like, what it can be like. Um, and I think he was tremendously successful and, and... Mm-hmm putting that together. And it was, I and mean, it's so heartbreaking that his mother abandoned him. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, and his poor yeah. dad. And oh, yeah, it's a,
0: it's kind of a heavy play for it's high a, school
2: It's a very heavy play for high school,
1: but yeah,
2: yeah. I think it
3: went yeah. well. That's so necessary. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's great for a, high, for a high school to do a play mm-hmm. like that. Cause it's, it's, it helps kids to understand. I think mm-hmm. there are some, there are some high schools that have, um, curious Incident as um, required reading. I know that. Okay. I think it should well, be mandatory yeah. reading for, you know, most high schoolers.
0: Yeah. 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 It was great to see. And Sam did actually an uh, excellent job. Mm-hmm. And, and some of my family that didn't, weren't able to come up to see Uncommon Sense um, were able to see the Curious Incident show. And I saw the emotion that it gave them, you know, mm-hmm. in... Yeah because I could, I could tell it wasn't said, but I could tell they could kind of see a little bit of that with our guy, our guys, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, as you know, those types of things with theater are what I love about theater is it gives you a ability to experience things that you don't in, in a book or in, in a movie. Cause you're there, you're, you know, you're with, I'm not like a theater buff, but I and really love going in, but I just love the fact that you're there with the cast. You're there, yeah. it's live, it's it's happening, and you get to experience everything about it. So mm-hmm. I think a play like Uncommon Sense is a, almost the perfect medium to, to share stories about autism. Yeah, we
3: were, we were
0: yeah, it's, it's very, very lucky.
1: Yeah, it's a very engaging process. And, you know, there's there's actually, um, there's some science behind it now about, about what, what happens in your brain when you watch someone go through something in front of you, your brain can actually mimic those same that same activity that that person is going through in their brain that your brain kind of picks up on it in a really visceral level. And so it's something that the theater kind of offers that other media don't.
0: All right. No, do you have any other questions today? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Andy and Nishka, do you have anything else you want to share that we didn't touch on today?
1: I'm just—I'm really happy that that you guys are doing what you're doing.
3: Yeah, it's wonderful. And,
1: you know, the podcasts are great, and and it's more storytelling. You know, and it's 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 really important, and um, and it's, I really appreciate you guys putting through the, the the effort to to put these stories out there and to the, have these conversations in such a public way. So.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun, and Noah's been a good co-host, and yeah, uh, it's great. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun, and continues to uh, be enjoyable. So, we plan mm-hmm. to continue to do it as long as we can get uh, people to be on our show. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, I want to thank Andy and Anushka for being on our podcast and sharing their insights and stories about their experience with Uncommon Sense. Really appreciate it. It was uh, a blessing to, to have gotten to, to know them over the years and to have been part of that uh, play. And just, again, it was really weird to see ourselves portrayed on stage, but pretty awesome as well. All right, appreciate everyone who's listening, and I hope that we can continue the momentum. So if you know anybody, that would be uh, a good... Um, person first interview uh, reach out and, and and let us know really appreciate that until next time thanks for listening